Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports, local leader. sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. All right, here we go with the top stories of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show, starting with the Phoenix Suns. The schedule is out for the first round series against the LA Clippers, game one, Sunday at 5 o'clock, that's at Footprint Center, game two is I'll on be there. Tuesday at 7 o'clock at Footprint Center. Game 3 on the road, Thursday at 7.30. All right, so we're going every other day right now. Game first. 4 on the road, Saturday at 12.30. That's every other day for the first four games. Not a lot of rest in between. Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Okay. If Game 5 is necessary and... Could be, should be, probably will be. That's where there's an extra day built in. Game five wouldn't be until Tuesday of the next week. Okay, that's so the extra that. day's rest. Okay. Yeah. All of those games will be on our airwaves, the Arizona Sports app and 98.7 FM. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, not bad. Sixth and seventh, respectively, among the top-selling jerseys in the NBA this year. A KD Suns jersey? A KD Suns jersey. Sec- was They were sixth and seventh. Big second-half surge, and they finished 6th and 7th in the NBA in jersey sales. Wow. Yeah. People wanted the KD jersey over the Terrence Ross one when the new ones came out. Apparently. Apparently they did. Yeah. And then, of course, PayPal extended their son sponsorship through 2025-26. They have the logo on the jersey. That was one of the companies that came out and said, if there's not a change, we may not be back next year. That was, indeed. They're going to be back, and they're going to be back for the next couple of years. Yesterday's play-in games in the NBA were a doozy. The Hawks beat the Heat the first time an eight seed has ever beaten a seven seed in round one of the play. And they won 116-105. Not a great game by Jimmy Butler. Clint Capella dominated the boards for the Hawks with 21 rebounds. Trey Young didn't have the best games, but uh, without Jimmy Butler playing so well, it really it really struggles. So now the Heat are going to wait. They're going to host the loser of this game, the winner of this game between Toronto and Chicago, and and so still have a chance to get into the playoffs. That 9-10 matchup is just about to get underway. We'll keep you updated on it throughout the course here of the Burns and Gambo show, so you don't have to worry about that. Also last night, in some of the ugliest fourth-quarter basketball you're ever going to lay your eyes on, the Lakers barely held on to beat the Timberwolves 108-102. Turnovers, missed shots, Dumb fouls, dumb decisions, tired players. It was a mess. It was a real mess. I mean, it was. I mean, Anthony Davis fouls Mike Conley when they're up three with no time left. And, 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 and on a three-pointer, Conley hits all three free throws. You go to overtime. And even in overtime, the Lakers almost gave the game away. They're up three, inbounding the ball with very little time left. Mike Conley steals the inbounds pass. They get it to Prince in the corner for a wide-open three, and he misses it. That would have forced the second overtime. Yeah. Also, coming up tonight, OKC at New Orleans. That game starts at 6.30. Now, the Lakers, with their win, they get the seventh seed. They advance. They'll play Memphis in the first round round of the playoffs. The Timberwolves now have to wait. They will host the winner of this OKC New Orleans game tonight. And one that I'm really looking forward to just to see Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Brandon Ingram, two really good young players. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, one yeah. of the best players in the NBA. Oklahoma City so young. That, that experience they're getting right now, very valuable, but they, they want to win. 
Diamond, no Zion for, for New Orleans. No, no Zion. Zion for New Orleans. He's physically ready to play, but if he's not Zion, he's not going to play. It makes no sense. But he's physically able to play. Physically, he's fine, but he doesn't want to play. After a tough loss last night to the Brewers 7-1, to the Diamondbacks got back on track today in the series finale against Milwaukee. Dre Jameson, solid in his first appearance as a starter. He kept Milwaukee scoreless through the four innings he was out there. Four strikeouts, only three hits allowed. Dominant. Tori Lovello got ejected after arguing with the home plate umpire about the pitch clock. And in the same inning, Lords Goriel Jr. hit a three-run homer. Then there was this from Corbin Carroll. He showed up. Guy to left, center. Hit it pretty well. Back of the warning track at the wall. Touch the ball. Corbin Carroll. An opposite field shot. How about that? Third home run of the year for Corbin Carroll. It was 5-0 D-backs. Brewers made it 5-3. Cor- Carroll hits that shot. Those insurance runs were huge. D-backs go on to win. They've had one of the toughest schedules in Major League Baseball, and they're in first place. Corbin Barrels? I like that. That's the first time I've heard that, Eric. That's good. I won't take credit. I've heard it somewhere else, but okay. it's a good nickname. I, I, I didn't use it at first. I thought maybe that's a typo. I like that. Corbin, Corbin Barrels for Corbin Carroll. I like that a lot. 7-3, the Diamondbacks win. They got the day off tomorrow. They'll be at uh, at Miami, I should say, on Friday. Meanwhile, 23-year-old pitcher Carlos Vargas option to AAA Reno Wednesday after the Diamondbacks activated fellow reliever Scott McGuff off the paternity list. That was a was short paternity a list for McGuff. Very, very short. Sure. I was going to be there for the birth of my kid, and I'm going to get back to my team. The Arizona Cardinals tweeted out a very cryptic video earlier today of a sealed briefcase in the desert. One can only assume their new uniforms are coming soon. That briefcase was conveniently located next to some yellow flowers out there in What's the middle in the of briefcase? the desert. What's in the briefcase? What's in the briefcase? Actually, that was awesome. Zayvon Collins retweeted it, and he tweeted out the from seven. What's no, in the did box? he really? Oh, yeah. What's in the box? What's in the box? Because it's just a box sitting in the desert. It was pretty cool. You don't want to know what's in the box. Yeah, we all know don't what's ask. in the box by now. We, what we want to know is what the new uniforms look like. I imagine we'll see them before the draft. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport listed off some teams who could be interested in trading for the Cardinals' number three pick. This is about as short as poor Eric could make this sound bite. The Colts would at least be a possibility to make sure that if they take a quarterback, no one goes in front of them. What about the Las Vegas Raiders? If three would be a perfect spot, and of course Dave Ziegler and Monty Ossifer know each other well from New England, the Tennessee Titans who have done all the quarterback work. It would be sort of like the Trey Lance deal, somewhat similar value maybe. If the Texans want to double up and just take two of the best players in the draft, going from 12 to 3 would be expensive. It's only three teams. Schefter the other day said there were six. Six. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's more. But... Uh, listen, you got to fake a couple. I mean, if you're Monty Austin for it, you got to make sure that, that, that people think that everybody wants this pick. <laughs> everybody <laughs> wants it. It, it. The last part that he said about that about the Titans, like, it's a big jump up. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be, it's gonna be expensive. expensive. Yeah, it's it could be a lot. It could be a haul. According to Sports Illustrated, it's Albert Breer. The New York Jets are reportedly interested in at least thinking about pursuing a trade for Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins after OBJ went to the Ravens. Yeah, Altoon's not walking through that door for the Jets. Neither is Wesley Walker. So they need to go get a wide receiver to help them. They could have ma- they could have just matched the $15 million out of OBJ. Could have.
It's going to cost you more if you want Hopkins. Could have other NFL news. Giants star running back Saquon Barkley does not plan to sign his franchise tender before the team's offseason program begins on Monday. That according to Newsday and ESPN's Adam Schefter. Anything to get out of work. Uh, Tony Pollard has signed his tag. Josh Jacobs, Lamar Jackson, Barkley, and Evan Ingram have not. No signed contract. You don't have to show up for the offseason right. program. Right. Makes it very, very easy to yep. skip it if you want. Yep. Colts coach Shane Steichen acknowledged the team has been busy meeting, working out various quarterbacks ahead of the draft. Asked about an alternative move like Lamar Jackson. He was very succinct. Quote, we're focused on the draft and I'm focused on the players that are in the building right now. Close quote. You just got yourself a dynamic wide receiver. Lamar's going to want to play with those guys. I, I don't know. I, I, in the end, I think Lamar Jackson's going to end up staying with the ball with Baltimore. I totally agree. Something's going to change. I mean, there's going to be some kind of negotiation, some give and take, and he's going to end up staying with Baltimore. All right, real quick uh, around the NFL, okay. uh, Bryce Young is doing his top thirty visit with the Texans today. He did it with the Panthers yesterday. Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter is visiting with the Raiders today. They're picking at number seven. Ooh, he is not. He's not going to fall. The Bucks picking at number nineteen. Okay, hosting Kentucky quarterback Will Levis today. He visits the Falcons tomorrow. The Falcons are at seven, eight. I thought there was a chance that he might fall a little bit, but it's probably not. His teams are desperate for quarterbacks. And the Rays, they're 11-0 on the season. They're already winning game number 12 they today. Really? They sure are. And according to Elias Sports Bureau, they've only trailed in five of their first 99 innings so far this season. Incredible story. That has not been accomplished since 1880. What's their magic number to clinch the division? (laughs) Has anybody ever clinched the division by May? I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a while. They don't lose. This is incredible. That is our 4 o'clock reset, as always put together by Eric and Mitch. The Phoenix Suns back in the playoffs. We're giving you the chance to score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Text the word ticket to 62620. Listen for your name today during the five o'clock hour it's your chance to qualify for game one tickets to see the suns and the clippers on sunday again text ticket to 62620 there are ways that the phoenix suns can close out the la clippers what are those ways that's next burns and gambo burns and gambo afternoons Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, so as we talked about the 4 o'clock reset, the schedule was released for the Suns and the Clippers today, and it's not entirely surprising, but it's also a lot of what the Suns faced last year. There's very little break in there. It's you play a game, you got a day off, you play a game, you got a day off. It's mostly that over the course of the seven-game series. Now, as we talked about earlier in the show, and you and I both believe it, at least I do. I think you do, too. It's a little different this year for Chris. Like, last year, that really wore on Chris. Sure. Doing it against the Pelicans wore on him. Doing it against Dallas wore on him. You could just tell that every other day you're playing a game thing was really starting to grind him down. It's different this year. They've been kind of preparing for this with Chris. They've had him playing off the ball a little bit Even more. before they got Durant. Right. right. The like plan he, was put in motion. How did they knew? I mean, they got through the playoffs last year. And what was an issue? Chris wore out. Yeah. Chris wore out. How do we, what do we do? Let's have him play off the ball more. Let's have Booker call, carry it up. Let's, you know, so that was a plan. was always a plan. The plan from the beginning of the season before they got Durant was to try to take some of that load off of Chris this year. Yeah. The only 
time in this series where there's more than a day off in between games is between four and five. Game four is on a Saturday. Game five is on a Tuesday. So there's a little bit of built-in rest there for them. But other than that, it's a very compressed schedule. It's just the opposite of the Lakers and Memphis. I mean, there's a there's a chance, a slim chance. But there's a chance the Phoenix Suns will have swept the L.A. Clippers. By the time they finish their third game. By before, the time they they start, before they start the third game. Their third game. Right. Before they even start their third game, the yeah. Suns will have already played four now, games. Now, if you think in the their Clippers. favor in LeBron, it's the same thing in the East. The Hawks, who won last night, they're going to get the same th- two, three-day, two of those breaks with the extra day off when they play. So the same as the Lakers. It might be because they just figured those teams travel and um, having to play in the play-in game that they wanted to give them an extra day here or there. So, obviously you're going to see a lot of previews for this series. We've both seen a lot of previews and we've talked about it and we're going to continue to talk about it a whole bunch of different ways and how to look at it. One today that we saw was on the Bright Side of the Sun website and it was certainly not how do you close out the LA Clippers because the series hasn't even started, but how, how, how do you win this series? <laughs> I'd like series? to talk about closing them out. That'd be great. Yeah, let's closing go. out be fun. Let's, let's fast forward to that conversation if the Suns are up three games to none and they're going to close out the LA Clippers. That'd be awesome. How do you beat the LA Clippers uh, beyond the obvious of hey, Kevin Durant's got to have a great game and Devin Booker's got to, all that stuff. It seems like a lot of this conversation, everyone that we've had about the Clippers so far really starts and ends with Kawhi Leonard, right? Like how Kawhi's great. He's terrific. And this article pointed out that one of the best ways to beat the Clippers is to make Kawhi work very, very hard on defense so that it maybe subtracts from his offensive game somewhat. That makes a lot of sense on a whole. If you say, okay, put Kawhi on Kevin Durant, put Kawhi on Devin Booker. He could guard those guys. I was talking with an NBA player earlier today who said, listen, they might start Kawhi on a Kogi. And that way they could start, you know, Batum could start on KD, man can start on Booker, Russ on CP3, and that way Kawhi can rest on D- on defense, but he can be the help guy. They switch all the time. They're one of the biggest switching defenses in the NBA. So he can be that guy that traps, that doubles, that helps, because they're going to throw a lot of help when, you know, when Durant or Booker have the ball. Kawhi could then come in and be a factor there. But it might be that they want to, you know, to have a have Kawhi on a Kogi to start. We'll see. And if they do that, then they could rest him a little bit on the defensive side. And again, they switch a lot, so they could always, at times, in the shot clock, switch him on to a different player, especially as that shot clock's winding down. Prime Kawhi Leonard, and I'm not saying he's past his prime, but he's obviously dealing dealing with the injuries. Prime Kawhi Leonard is maybe the best two-way player in the NBA. And prime Kawhi Leonard, you would have put him on Kevin Durant and expected him to score 30 points per yeah, game. The one he probably that, would have done it. The one that went to Toronto for one year and led them to the championship, they, I mean, that, that Kawhi Leonard... That that guy you absolutely feared. This guy, because the, the injuries, still a very good offensive player, but not the same defensive player that he used to be. There's part two of this article, and, and expect this part of the conversation to really ramp up the closer we get to this series. It was all about Russell Westbrook, and there's there's going to be a lot of talk about him. There should be a lot of talk about him, and not just because that he used to be teammates with Kevin Durant, and he said today, I got no beef with Kevin Durant. We're good. We're fine. You know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's that Westbrook is the one guy that if you're going to replace Paul George superstar for superstar, if that's what your goal is at the Clippers, I'm not saying that's what it is, but if that's what you're trying to do, Westbrook's kind of the one guy 
who could fit that bill, maybe, who could be that guy. I agree. Totally. And and, and he could go for 30 on any given day. and, And so he shot a lot better with the Clippers. A lot better with the Clippers. It's still not his game. His game is still driving and scoring and pulling up and not shooting the ball from the outside. But you can't just give him that shot either. And that was the point the article was trying to make. You can't just leave Russell Westbrook alone on the perimeter at the three-point line and dare him to shoot it. Now, maybe he has the green light. Maybe he doesn't. But you at least got to run a body at him to make sure you don't get him a completely wide-open look because you don't want to take the chance that Russell Westbrook might be the guy who beats you. This I didn't know. I was fascinated by this. In the 21 games since you joined the Clippers, he's shooting 35.6% from three-point range. That would be his career high in a full season. Did not know that. And that's not even a great number. No. Right? 35.6. No. It's it's okay. It's it's average. It's average. It's It's, average. It's not a great number. We we (laughs) saw this story the other day, and I don't remember the exact number. If you look at his three-point shooting since the Paul George injury, it's exceptional. Like, okay, you, you're, we're requiring you to take on more of the loads and Paul George is out. He's responded to that. Now, we saw that Lakers game last week. He wasn't on the floor a whole lot in the fourth quarter. Like, no. like, like that's, I mean, that's the no. one thing about the Clippers is they've got so much depth that they feel like it's a bad matchup for Westbrook. It's not like they're totally dependent on him being great They want his there. offense early, but they don't want his defense late. That's the thing. But I think, like, you know, in this series, like, he'll, he'll match up on CP3. CP3 is a smaller point guard. He's not quick. You could stay in front of him. But he does, if he gets to the elbow, he's very dangerous, a great passer. So, you know, he'll match up on CP3, you know, early in these games. Nicholas Patum is another guy who, well, yeah, he's a really good player. He's, he's one of those guys that has the ability, like, he's going to be the best bench player in this series. I think he's the best bench player. He could go off on any given day and score a whole lot of points. He's a terrific shooter. He could score. He's a great scorer. He's a big X factor because if you look at the benches, the Clippers have an edge in depth. They have an edge in bench, and Batum's a big reason why. Yeah, he's – I mean, you look at his points per game, it's it's nothing special. But Batum's a sniper, and, and he's just – and that's – this is what reminds me of the series from – Two years ago when they met in the Western Conference Finals against the Clippers, there was just guy after guy after guy that you were just afraid to leave alone out there beyond the three-point line, right? Because you just thought, that guy can make a three. Nicholas Batum can make a three. Back then, two years ago, Reggie Jackson can make a three. Pat Bev can make a three. Marcus Morris can make a three. Nicholas Batum can make a three if you leave him out there. you got to be careful with him out there because you don't want yeah, – you've called the three-point shot the great equalizer. And you is. don't want the Clippers to use that great equalizer in this series. Look, small sample size, but there was a game uh, on March 27th against Chicago. He was 8 of 10 from the field. All of them were three-pointers. 8 of 10 from three-point range. He had 24 points in that game. If you look at the best games he's played, 5 out of 10 from three-point range. He scored 19 against Sacramento in February. If you see see some of his better games, you'll see that he knocked them down. He was 7 for 10 from three-point range against Charlotte, had 21 points. So, the games that he plays well, he knocks down those threes. He will, that will be the, that might be the only shot he takes in some of these games is the three. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can, like you would for any of your favorite podcasts, subscribe on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss our show. The Burns and Gambo Show, it's brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Go to Carol has the buy That's carolhasthebuyers.com and start packing. So these allegations against the Cardinals and owner Michael Bidwell have led one writer to think that he 
he might be as bad or maybe even worse than one other particular owner in the NFL who's been a problem? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sometimes you read a story and it's almost not even necessary to read the rest of it. You get the gist of it just from the very first line. <laughs> and this one's one of those stories. The first line of it, I think it's from Yahoo Sports. You sent it to me today. Yes. Are we absolutely sure the Washington <laughs> Commanders, Dan Snyder, isn't the worst NFL team owner? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of those ouch type things. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Ugly accusations are piling up for Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell. That's and the headline of the story. You yes. Know. And it was, you know, you mentioned the thing about uh, Daniel Snyder. And it says, you know, a lot of headlines over the last year. And they bring them, they break them down to not just the most recent one. They, they talk about the survey in which Arizona graded uh, the team at an F or F minus in five of eight co- categories, including treatment of families, uh, food service, nutrition, weight room, training room, locker room. Um, they talk about the homework clause that was put in the contract, of course, by Michael. They talk about the Brian Flores class action lawsuit um, against the NFL alleging racial discrimination and the fact that Steve Wilkes joined the lawsuit, alleging that Arizona hired him as a bridge coach intending to fire him. And then the McDonough claims and then the you know backing it up uh, by one of the executives yesterday in Miniger and um, all of that, they're just saying it's leading to like, look, I mean, there's, uh, you know, it says Snyder might be the worst owner in the NFL, but he appears to be getting competition. Wow. Woo. Not what you want to hear. No, no. Not it, what you want to read. No. And as we've talked about yesterday in particular, but even the day before that, I mean, Michael's Michael's not used to having attention like this on him. Michael's honestly one of the most off the radar owners, I think, in the entire NFL. I, you know, it's there are some very, very public owners of NFL franchises. We all know them by name. Michael Bidwell is not one of them, has not been one of them ever. And and now he's got an inordinate amount of attention on him and the way he's running his organization and his team and some of the things that allegedly might have gone on there. And again, this is, you know, how much of this stuff is true how much of this is 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 just michael you know we've all we've all worked for bad bosses right like i've heard this point made a couple of times on the air and off the air we've all throughout the course of our lives worked for bad bosses is 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 it just being a bad boss or is it running a toxic workplace right and where is the line where is the line between just being a bad boss and running a toxic workplace and to have the cardinals based off the allegations that they cross over into that line i don't know because i don't know what are the allegations are true and i don't know what are the allegations are hearsay i i have no idea all i know is this is that michael bidwell mostly i think up until the last year or so largely was thought of very positively by the fan base you know, like for the most part. Right, because it, it was really, really bad. Yeah. All we had to do was make it a little bit better. Look, you got the stadium here. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, this team went to a Super Bowl. Yep. Under his guidance, they made it to the NFC Champion. There, there was some success. Not a lot. It wasn't sustained success. It wasn't. But there was some success. And with the previous owner, there really wasn't. I mean, you had the Jake Plummer playoff game when they beat Dallas and then lost to Minnesota in the 90s. Um, you know, that was, that was that with Tobin? Yes. It was with Vince Tobin as the head coach. You know, but that was it. There wasn't much with Bill Bidwell. It was really kind of bad. 
and, you know, looked at as a very poor owner and a cheap owner and uh, what liked and everything. But I don't think anybody like re- respected his willingness to win or do what it takes to win where Michael got the stadium and it was some success there. So, yeah, people looked at him better than uh, they looked at his it, dad. It was always thought that the commitment was there, you know, that the want to was there. Uh, maybe the execution wasn't always the best and the, you know, constant searching for the right coach and the right organizational leader. But I, I always I got maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the fan base feels a bit differently but I always got the impression that the fan base mostly liked Michael probably yeah you're right because he wasn't Bill because he was different but to compare him to Daniel Snyder I mean that to me is it's not off limits but it really seems like a misappropriation of what Daniel Snyder has been a problematic owner for a long, long, Yet he's still there. Long, I know I'm not saying that ha- I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think if we're just talking about we're comparing if we're comparing owners here, Daniel Snyder has been a problem for the NFL for years. Years yes. and years yeah. and years. Yep. I mean, Washington fans. I know. I, I My father, my late father, was a huge Washington fan. Uh, my cousin, my dear cousin in, in North Carolina, he's still a huge Washington fan. They can't stand Daniel Snyder. And it's been like that almost since the day he took over the organization. To compare that to this... I, to me, seems like a very unfair comparison. Like that, like that's that we're really talking about two totally separate things. Well, I'll read here. one line in here. It says, "Why hasn't Bidwell received the same amount of attention and blowback? Is it because Arizona as a team doesn't have the cachet and national recognition that Washington does? Is it because there isn't yet an outlet doggedly revealing the depths of alleged misdeeds like the Washington Post has done with Snyder? Is it because in many corners the NFL's reputation is such that these type of allegations of terrible hate?" Behavior aren't a surprise. Look, here's what I here's what I will say. I think the the Suns investigation has was was almost the the first step in what is going to come out for a lot of organizations down the road. I think more employees feel empowered to not be treated poorly. And maybe 10 years ago, 15 or 20 years ago, for sure, most people just shut their mouth. You're happy to have a job, happy to work in an organization. You dealt with whatever you dealt with and you just, you know, you hated it. But Mm -hmm. you were happy to have the job. You were happy to be there. It was prestigious to work for an organization. And you dealt with a lot of BS to have that job. Now, people aren't going to take that. Like, I want to work for you, but I'm not going to be mistreated. I'm not going to be yelled at. I'm not going to be scorned. You're not going to treat me with with disrespect. So I think that, you know, and I think the Suns investigation may have been the the, the tip of the iceberg. It may have been what really has allowed a lot of people to say, hey, you know what? Like we they don't they can't get away with that. So like if you are an owner of a team or you are running an organization and you are mistreating people and mm-hmm. treating like that may end up coming back to bite you on the ass because people now, unlike 15 or 20 years ago, they may not just keep their mouth shut. I, I think mouth shut. I think that's a really good observation. And honestly, I think what happened with the Suns plays a lot into how we feel about what's going on with the Cardinals right now. I mean, we haven't even taken the stitches out from the Robert Sarver wound and what that's done to the organization, right? Like, that's still very fresh. It's still very fresh in our minds. We're still very much thinking about how that all went down and what happened and what the but ramifications they moved on, are. Though, right? New owner, well, they did, new, but, new, we're going to have a new president, like everything. Like, they have moved they've on. They've moved on, but it wasn't that long ago, right? Like, I mean, we're no, talking it was about two months ago. That's what I mean. It's like it's still very fresh in our minds what happened there. So I think here in this market, there's just an inclination to kind of leap to the same conclusions because we just went through it all with the Suns. Hey, the same thing. Maybe it's going on with the Cardinals. We don't know. But I think you're right. I do think 
that the tolerance for that kind of behavior alleged in this case it's it's much smaller now than it was a while ago. I think 100%. that absolutely has something to do with it. I think the way we perceive this story has a lot to do with our experience coming out of the Sun story. And I think something else to the point of that article about why isn't Michael getting the scrutiny that Dan Snyder? That one's easy. Daniel Snyder has been a stain among owners for ten years. Michael's had problems for what a year now. I mean, this article says, well, why why is he not getting the same scrutiny? Because Dan Snyder, he's been a problem for f- how long has he owned the Washington franchise? Over 10 years. 15 years, 20 years. He's been a problem almost from day one. Let's give Michael a little bit of, of a break on this one, right? We really haven't had any problems with Michael like this. No. Save for the last calendar year or so, starting with the homework clause and kind of wondering what was going on with that. To compare him, to wonder why he's not getting the same scrutiny as Dan Snyder, I just don't think it's fair because Dan Snyder has been a problem for a long, long time. Yeah, I agree. That's the difference. I agree. But that's the thing. Like, the, like here's a Yahoo Sports story, and they're comparing him to Daniel Snyder. It's like, geez, okay. Like, look, we'll see what's going to ha- We'll see what's going to come out. We'll find out about the burner phone, whether it was re- real or not. We'll find out about the mistreatment of people because eventually the NFL will have to investigate that if there were people that were being mistreated. And then you could judge. Like, then you could judge to see because everything's alleged right now, and then you'll be able to judge whether, you know, whether this guy's a problem or not yeah we'll see we'll see what the what the nfl decides to do with this when it comes time for them to do something about that and you would think that time is coming up very quick on friday Gambo and I are going to be at the Top Golf Swing Suite at Gila River Resorts and Casino, right there off the 10. We'll be there Friday from 2 until 6. We're going to be giving away Suns playoff t-shirts, water bottles, backpacks. You can meet Suns legend Tom Chambers from 5 until 6. You can meet Tom Chambers? Uh, the the all-star MVP. Wow. He says all the time during those broadcasts. He does. Right? Head to the contest page. All-star game MVP. And he is. It's legit. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can get Tom on the show. I'd love to have that. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details. You must be 21 years and over to attend this event. So we'll see you there Friday. We've talked a lot about X-Factors for this series between the Suns and the Clippers. Are are we overlooking the biggest one on the floor for the Phoenix Suns? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, it's 445. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. It's a good one today from Eric Ruby. Let's turn it over to Rube, see what he's got. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Sorry, I didn't mean to make that sound like it was such a surprise. Usually they are pretty good, but that did sound like, wow, that's a really good one today. Like, oh, what, what got into this kid? Sorry, my bad. That's no, okay. Actually, our question is, did you guys plan on matching today with the same no, gray shirt I, with I, the double button up I, top? I've noticed, I've noticed on the videos today that we've mm-hmm. been tweeting out of us talking about various things. Apparently, we're both going for the gray Henley two-button look today. Yeah, which it's is nice. There's a good synergy going yeah. on. It's just, it's just me. It just means that we're we're boring old guys with closets that don't have a lot of variety in them. That's all that means. Yeah, really gray, black, blue. Yeah, gray, they all black, work together. Blue. Oh, they the do. Luke Lipinski palette, I believe, is what it's called. All that dude ever wears is black. Does Luke ever wear anything that's not black ever, ever? Like I, I know Gambo's only about black, blue, and gray. Yeah. So I try to wear other colors just to. 
you know, not be black, blue, and gray, but I just saw the shirt today. And You'd think it would happen more often, but it actually doesn't. I was pretty surprised today I, seeing it. Yeah, I know, because he, he is all black, blue, and gray. The whole You never wear anything else. No. Do you even own anything else? Black, blue, gray. No. No red? No. No, oh boy. no green? No. Yellow? No. <laughs> You want to go purple? <laughs> no. Well, I know after your comment on Lourdes Goriel's hair color, I would really doubt that you would have purple in your wardrobe. No, but... black, blue, gray. Okay, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Very basic. I'll try to mix it up a little more than that. Uh, Eric, that's not the poll quiz. The color palette's not I had the... to get us off track. No, that's Sorry, that's now fine. let's get back on track. Here's the question you were talking about, Bernsey. Who on the Suns is under the most pressure to perform this postseason? The four options we went with are Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, and Monty Williams. But I'll throw DeAndre Ayton in there for you guys to choose as well. We talked yesterday a lot about how there is a lot of pressure on Monty. Monty was the head coach of a team that had a 2 nothing lead in the NBA Finals and lost. He was the head coach that had a 2 nothing lead last year against Dallas and lost. If they don't get out and win this thing this year... There will be people that look at Monty and say, what the heck, man? Come on. Like, you're the best roster. Why didn't you win? And they'll blame Monty. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Monty. But, man, 15 years in the league, and this is his best roster. I'm going Chris Paul. There's, they're all really good options. I, I know I'm not in the, the lead on this one. Kevin Durant was brought here for this specific reason. I think the pressure is on Kevin Durant to deliver. This one is actually going a little bit more in Chris Paul's favor, for lack of a better term, than it was two hours ago. So expanding that lead at 36.3%, it is Chris Paul leading the way. In second place, about 10% behind, is Monty Williams. KD, though, closing in on that at 23.4% in third. Book all the way down the bottom, 13.8%. But what do you guys think about Aiden? I think, does Aiden have pressure no. Not as much. I don't think he has as much. I, I, I read a story today on PHNX Sports from Gerald Bourget about DeAndre Ayton being the X Factor. And it was it was a really good article. There was a lot of information there. It was it was almost it was almost one of those where there's so much information it was you really had to do like a deep dive into DeAndre Ayton and the role that he plays. But let's talk in general. About without getting into like the real heavy duty, heavy lifting of okay. the article because it okay. was a really good one. Do you consider DeAndre Ayton an X factor in these playoffs for the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, because I think that there's, I, I think that they're going to try to take Booker and Durant out as much as they can with traps and switches and doubles and things like that. And they, you know they're going to say, look, if CP3 beats us or DA beats us, then we'll, we'll you know, we'll we'll, do, we'll deal with that. So I think that DA is going to be a factor in this series, an X factor. Listen, your stars have to play well. He's he's one of their four stars, mm-hmm. so he's going to have to play well. He'll get. They'll try to get Zubac in foul trouble because once they get him out, then it's Plumlee. Zubac doesn't move his feet very well, so that could be a big advantage for Da. They may want to try to get. Um, and and for Da, I think it's also important not to get in foul trouble. You know, the Clippers will drive the lane. I mean, don't get in foul trouble there because they need you in these games. So that to me, so yeah, do I do think he's a factor, but I think the factor may be more on a defensive side than the offensive side. Yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. I think defensively he he is he plays a far more important role in this series than, and probably in any series than he is in terms of what he does on offense. I, I, look, I, I thought about this a lot when I was driving in. The article was just kind of bouncing around in my head. I think DeAndre Ayton just needs to 
keep it as simple as he possibly can, keep it as basic as he possibly can. And but what I mean by that is is that he he, he it's a, it's a cliche, but he really needs to try not to do too much. Look, here's what's going to happen: you're going to be running the two man game with Chris Paul. When you get the basketball eight feet in, you got to make it right. And like, they and they're among the tops in the NBA at. The pick and roll two point shooting. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. And Chris Paul's number, if you look at his assists to DeAndre Ayton, especially in that zone right third there. Third in the NBA. Third in the NBA, I believe, when it On comes two to two pointers. Just don't screw that mm. up. You don't need to do anything more than that. You know, you don't. DeAndre Ayton doesn't need to average 25 points per game for them to win. He doesn't He doesn't need to be like like he was two years ago. Remember when DeAndre Ayton, we're going to get DeAndre Ayton a bag for how he was playing. He doesn't need to be that version of himself. So I don't, I actually hesitate to call him an X Factor. I think as long as he does the stuff that we know DeAndre Ayton can do very, very well. Set good hard screens. Roll to the rim when you need to. And when you're given the opportunity to score the basketball, shoot at a high percentage. If he just does that really basic core level stuff, he doesn't need to do anything more. Because really, if Durant's covered and Book's covered and it's the two-man game with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, as long as he does that, eventually they'll have to gravitate towards DA and that'll open everything up for the other guys. Just be yourself. Do your thing. Don't worry about doing too much, and you'll be fine. You don't need to be the expert. He kills a lot of single coverage out there. DA will kill a lot of single coverage, and he'll see a lot of single coverage in this. Ty Lue will – he'll go man-to-man to to start, and if a guy gets hot, then he may make some switches and things like that. But, again, they have a a really important – a very good switching defense where they trust everybody on all the switches, so they switch defenses a lot. Um, but, yeah, I would think X-Factor, yeah, that makes sense to me, that that, that Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, if, 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 if they're successful in, in doubling and trapping Booker and Ayton, you're going to very much rely on those guys to get you some points. Yeah, and, and I think that's why that development of their two-man game was so important. Even when Kevin – and we talked about this so much during the regular season. Don't ignore that. Don't let that – Rot on the vine, right? Don't let that dry up on the vine. You got to feed that. You got to maintain that during the regular season. And what game was it? It was um, the Minnesota game where I think it was the two-man game basically at the end that kind of that was the reason why they won the game. And I was so happy to see that because that needs to be fed. It needs to be maintained. It's like a plant. You got to water every few days, right? And I think the two-man game, it's going to be there. I really think it's going to be there in this series. And if they run it as effectively as we know they can, Suns will be fine. The yeah. Clippers but will his, have no answers. Right. And I think that, that he will do that. But the impact defensively, defensive rebounds, being a presence in there, that's going to be important too. Zubac is a pretty talented player, but they're a lot different when he's off the court. So that'll be a factor for DA. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we are, when we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, just a reminder in the next hour, we are going to qualify somebody potentially to win tickets to go see the Suns taking on the L.A. Clippers. When we come back, we will preview that series, talk more about how you slow down Kevin Durant, what Russell Westbrook has to do, what Kawhi Leonard has to do. That's all next on the Burns and Gambo Show.